Welcome back to the broadcast, episode number 57. What is the secret of running a successful Italian restaurant? Today we sit down with Cordell Curry, try and say that 10 times fast, and we learn all the secrets. Is it his trips to Italy? Is it his consistent product that comes out of the kitchen? You're going to find out today. But first, the sponsors, Suncoast Fresh Ordering App. It is amazing. Cool pictures. We took some of those. And you can set up a pantry list. Just add the numbers. Send it through. There's specials on there every week, so you get a great deal. Also, another thing you need to know about is Chef's Notepad. You can easily store your recipes. You can cost your recipes a definite tool you're going to need in the kitchen. Sit back, relax. Episode number 57 with Cordell Curry. Are you ready to go? Yes, yes. There's two pallets at Suncoast. Well, yeah, there is. Okay. But yes, ready to go. Welcome to the broadcast. Cordell, thank, thank you. you. It's great to be here. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Now, for the people that don't know, you've got this little restaurant that's quite on the corner of a relatively busy street in a beautiful suburb, Tenerife, trees everywhere. And you've just made yourself an institution here where people are lining up to get in the door, whether it's takeaway through COVID or whether it's or whether it's normal Monday to Friday type stuff, or should I say Friday to Sunday, isn't it? That we're open? Yeah. No, oh, we're open Tuesday to Sunday. Yeah, Tuesday to Sunday, but that's right. we've been incredibly fortunate. It's a, it's a great spot. It, I think we've made it a great spot, but we're in, we're in a fantastic suburb and neighbourhood, and the people have embraced us, and we've been really, really lucky. Mate, I'm going to, you know, like, there's, there's so much to Let's dive back, because I want to get to the secrets of why that is, and... Um, but. But how did you guys come about? So there's you and there's Paolo. How did it all so start? So basically, I barely knew Paolo, who's my, been my business partner now for 18 years. When we first opened Ecclefino, we had, I was in Melbourne. He was in Brisbane. He just moved here from Sydney because he just started a family and he was, let's have a fresh start. So he came to Brisbane. And we had a mutual friend who was my business partner in Melbourne. We had a restaurant together. And we, we had an Italian restaurant in Melbourne. It was a fantastic restaurant, but it was... It's incredibly competitive in Melbourne, especially at the time for Italian restaurants. It was we were doing okay, but we, we just felt like we were spinning our wheels. And Paolo got in touch with Mauro and said, "Come up here. There's a real undersupply of good Italian restaurants." So we jumped on a plane one Monday, middle of winter, came up here, and we're pretty shocked how quiet the whole place was. Like everything, there was just no people around. And we looked at a few sites. We looked at one in Paddington. We looked at this one and I think one other. And when we saw this, they just went, this is it. That was it. And then we put the wheels in motion. And I think about five or six months later, we opened up. That was it. And you're, you're, you're still hands-on a lot, both of you, both Polo yep. and, and yourself. Yep. Is that, is that the secret? It's definitely one of the secrets. Yeah, yeah. But look, it, it's, it's not what works for everybody necessarily. Like you look at maybe Simon Gloftus, who's not as hands-on as his restaurant, but they're incredibly successful, you know what I mean? But we, I'm still in the kitchen four nights a week. Paolo's still on the front of house, probably one shift a week. That's a joke. He's been home <laughs> for two weeks, <laughs> <No>. hasn't he? <laughs> he, uh, he still does probably three to four shifts here and, and maybe one at Julius as well. And, but yeah, it's, I think, I think you kind of need, to, I feel like you need to be here. I want to dive back, because people who uh, listen um, are a lot of chefs and lots of people who, who eat in, in Brisbane. So everyone uh, probably comes to Becafina, but tell me a little bit about your story prior to meeting Polo, the, the restaurant in Melbourne, and, and what got you you, you going in, into the food scene? Um, 
I always set out to be, uh, I went to, went to a, a good private school in Melbourne. I was going to be, I wanted to be a stockbroker, which is, is a crazy thing when I look back. Um, I took a gap year in between school and uni and travelled a lot. And I just, I came back and I said, I don't want to do it. So I sort of got a job in a kitchen as a kitchen hand and sort of, and then went, oh God, it's such hard work. So I went back to uni and studied <laughs> a couple of things because it, 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 backbreaking work as a kitchen hand. Went back to uni and then just I just sat in lectures going, this is not me, I can't do this. I, I think I need a little bit more day-to-day -day structure of, of you know, having tasks and completing them and moving on to the next task. So I went and started an apprenticeship and that was it. And then, the, and then when I started cooking, I realised that, I re and I don't have an Italian background, but I thought Italian cooking is what I want to do. Rustic Italian, very much the stuff that we do at Beckelfin, really simple. Do you speak any Italian? A little bit. Mikiamo Graham. <laughs> is that good? Mikiamo Graham. <laughs> Mine's terrible. I'm actually using Duolingo at the moment to try to improve the Italian. Yeah, okay. It's, it's good. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so I always wanted to cook Italian food. And then I got a job at Il Bacaro in Melbourne, which is a fantastic, two-hatted restaurant at the time. And it was a real baptism by fire and then worked at a couple of other places and then got the tap on the shoulder to open the restaurant in Melbourne and then... One thing led to another, and here we are. Tell me about fun of the funny, funny stories back from back in the day. Like anything amazingly just made you laugh till you cried, or, or there was a lot more crying than laughing back <laughs> yeah, in the day. Yeah. I tell you, it's um, you come from sort of my background, which is not that that working since you were twelve years old or something like that, and then getting to kitchens and and starting at sometimes eight o'clock in the morning yeah. and working till one at night with a, with a half an hour break. It's it's a real eye opener. Hard does that work. happen now? I don't think it happens as much. I'm yeah. sure it does happen in some places. Yeah, yeah. But we we don't do doubles anymore here. It was one of the first things I did. We don't, not one of the first things, but I really transitioned towards not making chefs do doubles and stuff like that in crazy hours. And now at least they've got you back in that they're pretty strict on overworking your staff. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. see what happened with Colin Barris and all those sort of yeah. guys. So it's definitely falling into line, but it was – you wasn't given a second thought. We, we could work a 16, 17-hour day and you'd get a half an hour break and they wouldn't even feed you. And you'd have to go and get something to eat and then run back. Couldn't get a coffee. Just that that whole macho mentality of everyone's got to work like a dog. Never mess anything up, just massively, like just burn the shit out of something or mess All up a time. complete surface. Still or... do it. Oh, look, <laughs> we, we had a – I mean, it, you think you get better at it, and I guess you do, but you still have horror nights. Like we, the night that – you know when on Sunday and they said, okay, everyone open to get at four o'clock on Sunday night. And we've like been doing takeaway and we, and we went, right, let's get open again. So we opened up on the Sunday at four o'clock, completely full house, plus all the takeaways that we're going to do anyway. And I got to the end of it and I said, it doesn't happen often, but it was one of those nights about halfway in where I said, this is when, when you question, why did I do, why am I doing what I do? Why am I chef? Yeah. God. That's a good question. I was going, halfway through that service, when everyone was screaming at everybody, it was like we were front of house screaming at back of house. I was screaming at the chefs, they were all screaming at me. It was completely rudderless. It was just it was just completely overwhelming. And I was just thinking, God, it'd be nice to have an office job. <laughs> yeah, it's something beautiful about the resilience that you build up and that camaraderie and, and, the, and the yelling is for the common good of trying to get things out to the person so that in the perfect manner and, and on time and all the rest. But, and it's, it's a weird sort of thing that you can be yelling at each other and then soon as it's over, 
you're like, oh, wow. And you're, and you're, and you're together again? Is there something? What is that? Yeah, it is. I don't think it always quite works that way. There's definitely times you say some things where you go, oh, wish we could take that back. Yeah. And it, it, it definitely does. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's such a high-pressure game and everything happens in such a short amount of time. I mean, obviously, you prepare for it. You've got all day to prep and then you get to the, that moment where there might be an hour and a half or two hours of just complete chaos. You do. You say things that you, you definitely go, it's out of line. Yeah. It's a bit too much. Or he's answered back in a way that's out of line. It's, it definitely can affect things. I yeah. mean, you try to be above it all. And most of the time, you, you, you'll have a bit of a give him a nudge and have a laugh and, mm. and that sort of stuff. Say sorry for that. But it definitely happens where, where things are said and it's hard to go back from. Polo, let's talk about him quickly out the front. Let's make up some stories about him. You know, he doesn't do much out the front, drinks wine, swans around, kisses <laughs> exactly. all the ladies that come through the door. You know, that, that, that's, tell me a, bit, a little bit about him because he's a, he's a big part of Ecofina. He's a huge part, absolutely. I mean, he definitely doesn't work anywhere near as hard as I do. I think that's a given. <laughs> but his role was pretty crucial. It, you know, like after he'd been in isolation for two weeks, came back and he basically spent three or four hours standing at the door just talking to people. Yeah. And it's because people, if Paolo's not here, it's like, where's Paolo? Where's yeah, Paolo? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, he's definitely been a, been a thorn in my side for the last 18 <laughs> years. And people say that I definitely deserve an award, a, a lifetime achievement award for putting up with him for so long. But I'm sure he'd say the same about me. Yeah, look, uh, um, yeah. No, I think everyone has a business partner. You have your, your strengths and weaknesses and pros and cons, but you probably wouldn't yeah. have it any other way. Uh, yeah, he is a bit of a, a, a person uh, who's got a lot of stuff. Uh, I, what I was going to say actually is when he's speaking in Italian, it's like he's abusing someone um, and you're not sure if he's abusing someone or complimenting someone because he's speaking in Italian. It's like, but a lot of the body language comes off. I'm pretty sure he just told him to hurry the fuck up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would say it's 90% abuse, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and okay. a few funny gags as well. But he's, he's he runs a front of house like I think no one in Brisbane does, mm. especially when he's on. It's It's pretty impressive. The menu. The menu is um, a beautiful Italian food and um, I was wondering how, I know, tell me about the trips that you guys do to get inspiration for this menu um, over the years. Tell me about some of these, these trips that you, you do. We, we've been lucky enough to, to, um, to, we try to have a trip every, every year. Mm -hmm. We either go to America or we go to Italy. And we spend about somewhere between one and two weeks, pick a part of Italy or pick a part of the States and just go there and eat, drink, carry on. Just, you know, just it's for a lot of reasons, just to get, first of all, get away as a reward to ourselves and to pick up inspiration. And it's, they've been amazing. We've had some really, really good trips. Um, I think you should get a smaller car for when you take Anthony and that all in the back seat. <laughs> I've seen some of the photos of you guys all cramped in. It's like a little Italian car. Know, and there's Anthony in the back and he's a big unit. He makes any car look tiny. But, um, <laughs> but look, we, it used to be just Paul and I who did it. And then once we once we opened Julius, we bought Anthony and Alex and we've started traveling with them as well. And it's a lot, it's better to have more people because you can obviously eat more food. Yeah, yeah. It's like when there's two of you, and you, you don't want to leave anything on the table. Like you, you see a menu and you go, we're going to have this, 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 and this. And you go, look, we're just going to have two bites of the pasta and we'll hand it back. And you have it. It's amazing. So you eat the whole thing. And then out comes the steak. And out comes this and that and the other. So you end up, first of all, you put on a ton of weight. And you just, you honestly get sick of going to restaurants. Mm. I know it sounds ridiculous, but no, you kind of no, get to a point where you go, Christ, I can't sit at another bloody restaurant and overeat again. Yeah. You know, can we just have a salad? But then you're thinking, well, we're defeating the purpose. We're on such a time frame here. You've got to squeeze it all. So once you've got four people, you're going, bring us everything. 
bring it all. Yeah. Bring some extra stuff. And then you can all have a little mouthful of stuff and it's amazing. Plus, you know what? You sit there for two weeks and you sit across the table from the same person for two weeks for every breakfast, lunch, dinner, walks, museums, whatever. You just go, I've got nothing for you. You know what I mean? You run out of stuff to say. So, but the amazing trip. It's been a real shame that over the last well, two, two years we haven't been able to go anywhere. Mm. That's a real shame. And everyone feels that. But probably us more keenly. Yeah. But yeah. Some of some of the some of the amazing. Can you remember any any distinct dish that you that you just went to somewhere and called? I never knew they did it like that. Any, anything that we can potentially learn from? Um, I think you pick up a little thing off each trip, and I was reading something from Nancy Silverton from Mozza and those places in in Italy, and she's got a house in Italy, and she says every time they go there for the summer, she, her aim is to come back with one new dish, something that she's learnt that she's never seen before, and yet we've seen probably so many things over the years, just especially when you get to little towns in Italy. And I and I can say that I prefer the Italian trip to the American trip any day of the week. And I love the American trip. But you, you tend to find yourself in cities more, like you're not going into little towns in, in Idaho looking for food and stuff like that. Whereas in Italy, you can basically land in Rome wherever one night and you're off. And you go to little towns and you can eat better than anywhere. So it's amazing. But the American trips, because you're stuck in cities, not stuck in cities, but you tend to be in LA or San Francisco or New York, they're kind of party towns. So mm. you go out for dinner and you always end up at bars and they're always late nights and you're always recovering the next day. And it's just, it, it gets a bit of Groundhog Day. Whereas Italy, because you're in little towns, where are you going to go after dinner? You go, you, know, you go for a walk mm. and you come back. So. It's but, a different culture. They're not all getting blind over there. It's, it's No, just, I mean, maybe in the big cities, but you don't need to stay in the big cities, yeah. which is great. Um, but uh, what did what I think on the last trip we we landed in Rome and we wound our way up through Emilia Romagna and then came back around through Venice and off to Milan and we went through Bologna and, and all those areas and the thing that I really loved which is really hard to do here is the Bolito Mista where it's they come out with this fantastic trolley and it's everything submerged in the broth and stuff and they lift it up and they get to your table and you see all the different types of meat. And then they say, what would you like? And you point stuff out and they put a few accompaniments with it. And that, on the last trip, I was like, wow, it's amazing. Mm. Really good. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Um, well, the American trip, what was the restaurant that we talked about that was on the at the beach there, Venice Beach, a couple of, Jelena? Oh, Jelena's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, we, I think, I, every time I go overseas, I ring you before I yep. go. Yep, uh, That was one that you sent. I've got the book now and we, we cook out of it regularly. So good, isn't it? How good is that place? Amazing. Did I thought you gave that to me? Oh, maybe I did. Yeah, we. Yeah, did I think you recommended that to yeah, me. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. They had two restaurants and another one down in the main drag of Venice Beach as well, and it was more of a, a lunch dinner yes. type situation. Yep. And they had these amazing vegetable sides. There must have been fifteen of them, and it was just a you know whatever the price was. I can't remember, but yep. let's say it was ten dollars type thing. Yep. Or that the equivalent of ten dollars Australian. And it was just a vegetable side. So you end up with a pizza, but then you yeah. end up with a, you know, a, some sort of chard or whatever it was with just oh. garlic and lemon or something. And these vegetable sides, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. This huh? is more restaurants need to have them because I think as we're coming in, but you need to obviously make money out of them too. So they need to be ten, twelve dollars almost these days. Yep. But um, you know, a pizza and a couple of veg. You know, I think as humans, we're eating more and more yep. veg. And I know I came here as I do quite regularly. Um, 
I think you had a bean dish on the other day. It was some sort of what was the what's the what goes with the beans here? Uh, whipped ricotta and toasted That's almonds. It. it was the yep. whipped ricotta. And it was just delicious. Oh, thank you. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. Was the one thing that I got out of that trip was just yep. these vegetable sides. I remember stealing photos of the menu, which which, which so good. is um, sort of seemed. Feels, used to feel guilty, but now I don't feel so bad doing that for some reason. Oh, God, no. Uh, then another restaurant, nothing to do with Italian, but the one in Japan with the guy with the big hair where you sent me, and he was doing ramen in Japan. What was the name? You've sent it to me. I went oh. there. I lined up forever to get into this ramen place. Fuinju or something like that? The one, it was where, yeah, where you queue up and then you, you go and then you line up around the perimeter of the inside. Yeah, so you stand behind some guy eating. Yeah, that's right. Literally, so literally breathing down the back of his neck going, <laughs> yeah. hurry up, mate. There's not 1.5 metres. <laughs> I know. Um, but great but yeah. how delicious was that? Amazing. And I had yeah. the, I, I forget what I had now, but it was a, a cold noodle dish and they put a hot broth over the top of it or something like that. Oh, beautiful. And it was just probably one of my best ever food experiences, yep. along with Jelena, actually. It was one of my um, most amazing things. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. Yeah. So you were talking about the, the bakery that's down right near the beach. Yeah. yeah that is amazing. Yeah. yeah. There's a bakery in the restaurant, but the bakery yep. is probably the, the thing you want to go see. I prefer you, the bakery you, too. Yeah. yeah. But the restaurant's an amazing thing. We went, I remember we went, and this was the first time we went, and you must have sent us there, and Paolo and I went on a Monday night. We were there, like, it wasn't even early, and we waited like an hour for a table, and we were going, wow, it's amazing. And... We sat there and we still had to, we had to share a table and then like we were literally sitting like this on a table, mm. a tiny table with a dude sitting right opposite us and it was just pumping. Food was amazing. But the bakery is just, it's so Venice Beach, isn't it? Mm. Everyone there is beautiful and you've, you feel like, oh, I should have dressed up a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's just, maybe I should have went to the gym. Yeah, um, I know. Uh, everyone's um, gorgeous and tan and perfect <laughs> yeah, teeth. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're slobbing in after a night out. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It's right next to Arnie's, Arnie's gym now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So lots of great experiences in Italy. Yep. Lots of great experiences. Tell me about some of the just ingredients that you love using. You know, I know, I know that there's. You know, are you probably going to say seasonal? But you know, artichokes or asparagus. What are some of your highlight vegetables that you love we using? We really love the leafy greens. Love the chicory, the rapini, um, silver beet, the broadleaf rocket. Any of that stuff. We live for that sort of stuff. Mm. Love the asparagus. Fennel is probably my favourite vegetable. Any of my friends will tell you, don't bring fennel around again, please. If, yeah. I'm, if I'm entrusted with making a salad for a barbecue, it's always like, fennel again? Like, I love it. Did you, my, did you see my little fennel video the other day? Yes, I did. A I did. It was a good one. Yeah. Um, I just, I love it. Raw, cooked, anything. Shaved, whatever. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Really good. Roasted. Wild too. Like, you find that wild a lot through Italy. Yep. Wild? Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Done by the train tracks and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, fields. But yeah, I would say really a lot of the leafy greens and stuff like that is is what we can't get enough of. Mm. It's always like how much more leafy greens can we put on specials and side dishes and stuff like that. But but everyone seems to love it too. Mm. I think I think when you're eating stuff like that, you feel like you're doing something good for yourself. What about beans, the bolotti? I know you just said yep. broad bean, but bolotti and, and, and the other beans, is, are you doing much with those sort Look, of things? I try to push bit? as much as I can onto menus and specials, and Paula really is not a huge fan because it, it's not something that – it puts a lot of people off. Yeah. I think there's a lot of – I think we probably grew up just eating really shitty beans. beans they you know? baked beans. Baked beans they? and stuff like that, and they yeah. think beans, oh, it's going to give me gas and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. 
and I love them. Like, Which is you... handy if you're doing a road trip with one of your mates next Absolutely. Yeah. I tell you what, you don't <laughs> want to know about that. Um... <laughs> Actually, you know, the fartiest trip we ever had is we did one. We did a trip with one of our first <laughs> trips was to Italy. Fish then. <laughs> <laughs> it was with Dan and Manny from Minoteca. Oh, yeah, yeah. We I did a trip me. with them. We, we travelled around and they took us to all the wineries. It was it was a trip. We laughed from the second you get up in the morning till the end of the night. But <laughs> one's funny what, looking, one's funny. Come on, <laughs> they're both kind of funny looking. But I tell you what, the smells in that car were just—I don't know what it was about that trip, but it was just—I'll never forget it. <laughs> but, um, oh, they are two unique characters. Oh, yeah. The reason I said one's funny and one's um, funny looking, funny looking, is because no one will ever know how to be able to work that out. <laughs> um, yeah, great humans. Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah, wine. Tell me about the wine inspiration as well. Like, yeah, how do you... How do you... What, look, what, the wine is really Paolo. Yeah. It takes you I kind of, I'm a bit like a... I don't know much about wine, but I know what I like sort of thing. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough to be on his coattails the whole way because he, he's got a great knowledge of wine. And we're lucky to have Valerio with us as well who sort of adds to that whole thing. But it's, it's very much a you wash, I dry sort of scenario. I'm back. Yeah. He's front. Yeah. I don't really tread on his toes. He certainly tries to stick his beak into the kitchen a lot. But, yeah. You know, that's why it is. No, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. I, know he's, I came in the other day and he happened to be trying some Chardonnay that was just delicious. And, uh, yep. Yeah. He definitely does know his stuff. Can we um, sure have brought him along? No, no, I just like talking about him a little bit because I know he's going to cry <laughs> if I don't, okay? I want you ask me to come in. There's, there's reasons, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, he'd be yeah. grabbing the microphone out of my hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, that's it. So we had to include him a bit. Um, tell me about um, the last couple of years with these challenges and how, and how, like, I think you were probably the safest and flipped the easiest and, and, and yeah, got to a lot to do with Italian food flips pretty easy. And, Definitely. Um, and you've got a great place where you can set up. But you, you tell me uh, about those challenges. Look, obviously it was it was really hard for everyone. We were lucky in a lot of ways that, that obviously, like you said, what we do is conducive to being takeaway. Pizza and pasta, it's what people love mm. as takeaways. Um, no one's ordering a $200 steak as a takeaway and letting it sit on top of a coffee machine and then taking it home. So we had that. We'd also been working, the, the, the luckiest thing, and this was just pure, complete luck, was that our kitchen had been developing an online ordering app. And he'd been hassling us out about, let's take it on board, let's take it on board, it'll save people ringing all the time, not being able to get through. So we thought, let's give it a go. And I think a month before it all happened, we actually kicked in and started it. And so when Takeaway started, we were just ready to go. Mm. So our transition was very, very fast. I mean, it took us, the first night of serious Takeaway, I think it was a Friday night, when everyone went realised, oh crap, this is happening. And let's and there was such a push to support all your local restaurants. So our first night was just like it's a nuclear explosion. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. We weren't quite organised, so we learned from that. But it definitely, now we've got it to, to such a point that it's such an easy transition. It's not not a desirable transition. Like most of the front of house staff get stood down straight away because they're casuals. Yeah. So there's no work for them. Everyone goes on to reduced hours in the kitchen because there's just only so much you can do. Mm. But I mean, look, we we take pride in the fact that we stay open and we keep as many people as we can employed at as high a rate as we can. But, I mean, it's, it's getting a bit long in the tooth. Yes. We're all a bit sick of it. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. It's survival you know? mode, isn't it? It really is. And, yeah. like, you know, and, and you get no, you get such little warning. And I understand that's, that's part of the process is that, like, if you see something coming, you to shut it down fast. And it seems to be working, so I'm not going to criticise that. But you, you might have a full call room and you're like, Christ, I've got so much fish in there. I've got all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And 
you you want people to order it as takeaway, but they people want pizza and pasta and stuff like that. So how much stuff do you want to give to staff? And they're sitting down eating half a bloody lobster for dinner and you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to look at this as a bleep and a spreadsheet over a, a 10-year period. Exactly. Like, yeah, you know. yeah. um, what's your advice for, for people thinking about opening a restaurant now? Oh, Jesus. I, look, I always say that it's <laughs> – don't do it. Um, I always say that it's it's a hard enough industry if you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? There's so many things that can go wrong. There's so many variables. Um, things just might not click. If you don't know what you're doing, Jesus Christ, I don't know why you would. Mm. It's just such hard work. I think people have, have a romantic notion about opening a restaurant that you – I'm going to open a place, it's going to be packed, I'm going to have a table in the corner for me and my friends, I'm going to sit there drinking <laughs> wine and, and holding court every night. And it's it's just, it's nuts. It Wait just a minute, that doesn't... is Simon Loftus. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's the exception, obviously. <laughs> but it's just it's just incredibly hard work. Like like what you do. People think you just walk around with a box of fennel on your shoulder and it's, you know, you're up at the crack of dawn. It's If you want to be good at it in, in our industries, you've got to work your guts out. Mm. You do. And I don't work anywhere near as hard as I used to. I still work hard enough, but back in the early days when we were just starting out, I mean, you, for your first one here, I used to bake the bread myself, be last one out. It's just the way it is. What's a day in the life of, of you when you're, when, you're, when you're on board here? Look, things have changed a lot now. Yeah. Obviously, I've got a couple of young so kids let's, at home. Let's so. go back a couple of years then. You know, what, okay. What, you know? Look, on a, on a, like right at the start, on a Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because we, we were doing lunch Friday, Saturday, Sunday then, I'd be here at probably 8, 8 o'clock, 8.30, shaping the bread, baking the bread. Then you'd be doing pasta prep and then people would start slowly coming, the pizza guys would come in and stuff like that. And you'd prep solidly till 11.30, set up. You'd have to light the fire first or the pizza people do that? Back in those days, I probably lit it. Yeah, okay. Just because, just because I like doing it. Is there probably, a particular wood that you have to use or don't have to use? I think, I think you don't want to go and use... Um, old fence palings or something like that or tree to pine <laughs> paint on them. yeah but I think we, we use um, red gum and uh, mainly red gum I think yep. and there's another one I can't think what it is but um, we've had the same supplier since since we opened so yeah, okay. it's been great um, yeah I like light the fire because I like lighting the fire but it'd be a long day like things have definitely changed now. It's got a couple of kids that you're dragging to school and stuff. There's something beautiful and romantic about it is that walking into a kitchen and it's uh, you're the first one there, you're opening the door. Oh, yeah. And there's something majestic about the place that was busy and yelling the night before to come in and be the first and flick the lights on and hope there's no cockroaches running and <laughs> get over to never the here. fire. <laughs> never here, yes. Um, back in my day, maybe. But, um, yeah, it's, um, it's it's a lovely feeling to, to, to do that. So um, It is. It is. Not always. Sometimes when you've worked the night before and you might have had a couple of drinks and you're back in here at eight yeah. and you, you're dragging your sorry ass through the restaurant. It's, um, it's always got a particular smell too. Like restaurants <laughs> smell very different at night to what they do the next morning. I don't know what it is. Maybe because the exhausts aren't running and stuff like that. It's like it's like walking into a nightclub during the day and you go, Jesus, <laughs> no, it's not everyone. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's like uh, bread and flower smells and oh, there's the definitely a bit of that. There's definitely some of that. It's not as bad as a nightclub, but it's. Yeah. I know you really have uh, a great relationship with all your staff. How have you made everyone love what they do here, or how how does that magic happen? Because you've done it here, you've managed to do it again over at Julius with the beautiful Alex and and, and Anthony. How how do you guys? How do you do that? You probably overpay them. <laughs> no, um, no, not true. Um, you know what? It's, it looks like everyone's happy, and I think, but for the most part, 
people are happy. Like we have an incredible staff retention. I've got guys in the kitchen who have been there who were actually due for long service leave. They've been so long. And that's pretty rare in a kitchen environment. Same, and likewise, front of house. I think we, we, everyone gets paid. Everyone gets paid every week. Everyone gets great tips. Everyone gets fed. Everyone gets coffee. Everyone gets knockoff drinks. And, you know, we, we try to look after the stuff. We try to make it a nice place to work. Look, when I was back doing my apprenticeship and, and things like that, and it's, it can be miserable and you think, I spend more time with these people than I do with people that I actually want to spend time with. So you've mm. got to make it a reasonably nice environment. But that said, the bigger you get and the more stuff you've got, the more sort of chance there is for people to have clashes of personality. And you do. You, you spend half your time putting out spot fires and bringing people back into line. Just it is. You, know, you, you, you want a no dickhead policy in your place, especially like a kitchen. You get, you get, it just, it's so cancerous when you get someone in there who will just cause trouble and fight with people and it's horrible. Mm. So, and you want people turning up to work, so. Is that it, on it, the job application, no dickhead policy? I actually, I, did, I put an ad on that, ad on Seek like about 10 years ago and I wrote no dickheads and they wouldn't approve it and I had to change it. <laughs> Let, tell me about uh, some of the other dickheads that you've had come through here and there's a few in the cool room a little while ago that which we caught on yes. camera. yep. How good was that? We posted on Instagram. It was great. That was that was nuts. I ended up doing an interview with Channel Seven, and I was doing radio interviews. <laughs> but they never caught them. Oh, they didn't. They didn't catch him. That was meant to be a good story. Oh Shit. my god! Cut it was out, like <laughs> I don't want to. I thought they caught them. Nah, they didn't. We and we put I that put, picture out. Then guys would be around for the sure. Pictures, and I put I put a thing saying anyone's got information because someone's going to recognise them. Send me the thing. It'd be completely anonymous, and I got a heap of tips. And I forwarded them to the cops and just nothing came of it. Well, now you've got that new security system and you catch everyone now. I'll tell you what, we've got a couple of guys with uh, guns up on turrets. And the of. dogs. Happy yeah. dogs <laughs> that you have in it. Just outside the door. You the know what the thing is, though? The, the bad side to this is, and there's, it's a bad side anyway, is that every time something of this happens, we have to increase security. Like now, the cool room at the back has got like a bollard attached to it and it's got a cage around the, the padlock. It's, it's insane. Mm. We're just, all we can do is keep making it harder and harder for someone to do it. Who inspires you? Um, inspires me. I'm sorry. Um, I think there's so much out there that can inspire you now. Like, it's so accessible. And I'm sure I'm not People the first person right. to say this. Oh, someone like Nancy Silverton from, from Mozza and places like that. There's, there's an amazing, uh, what's the net, uh, chef's table on Netflix? Oh, yeah. Have you yeah, seen much of that? Yeah, I love Some that, of the yeah. episodes of that are, like, astounding. The Nancy yeah. one is one of my favourites. It's amazing. There's a lot of oh, ones that I don't sort of sync with, but they're just things like that. And I think... I think we'll yeah, she's a lady of, in LA, several restaurants. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. She's probably 60. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's a, it's a fantastic episode going back to her and early days of baker and open kitchen. Yep, she makes the pizza in one. And oh, she's got like a yeah mozzarella bar and yeah, she holds court there. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Cool. So, so she would definitely be one of them. But th there's heaps, you know. Just can't think of any at the moment. Right. <laughs> we'll always come back. Any, how, social media. How's that working in for your business? Is that is that a plus, a pain in the ass, or is that what is it's, it? It's both. You? It's definitely a pain in the ass because <laughs> I take care of it, all of it. <laughs> the most honest podcast we've ever had. I can see the benefits to it. I don't think it's 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 everything. I really don't. I think people overplay its importance. One hundred percent. I think that you can have the best social media account in the town, but if you're not backing it up with a good product, a good service, you're wasting your oh, time. Okay. And yeah. likewise, there's plenty of good restaurants that have no presence and they do a fantastic job. I think it's you know it's it's a good tool. You can get stuff out there like your weekly specials and 
and just I guess just keeping people's minds here. Oh, Becca Phoenix, I've been there for a while. Yeah, stuff like that. But just another but, nice tool. Yeah, but to think that it's it's a reason for his success is, is just madness. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think people get scared into into spending a lot of money, bringing people in to do it for mm. them. What about food providence? How important is that? Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty important. Definitely, it's great to look. I really try to have a policy where. I know the owner of every company we deal with so that I have a direct line to them so I can speak to them about what's good, where's stuff coming from, all these sort of things. I just I don't want to deal with companies that I have to just deal with a rep. It's just not, it's not something that I've ever wanted to do. I think we're lucky that we're in a town that's probably small enough that you can do it. Like, we have a great relationship. I can ring you any time and, mm. and get through and, and talk about what's... How quickly do I text back, just for the record? Uh, it varies. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> it's very You're pretty good. good. You're pretty good. You, get, you can go AWOL on a Sunday, but that's about the worst of it. <laughs> uh, uh, what, what is the biggest and the hardest lesson you've had to learn throughout your career? And what did you learn from it? Um, tough question, sorry. It's a tough Could question. I'm you for that one. No, I think, I think it's probably the work ethic is, is probably it's probably the thing that gets you early but it's it's such a such a lesson that if, if you want something to be good you, you you need to be there supervising it until you can step back and and have people who will do your job for you and you can sort of manage them what about the people behind you your wife you know staff anyone that stands out that you really want to go man i'd probably be lost without them definitely the wife absolutely she as you know runs uh runs dickies vegan cafe and um so we have a bit of a, again, a wash, I wash, you dry sort of thing where I take care of the kids and stuff in the morning and then we'll tag team in the afternoon. Only only a few days a week because we have a few nights off together as well. But she, if I had her energy and her determination, I tell you what, this place would be a hundred times better than it is. Mm. She lives and breathes her work. Mm. I've never seen anyone love going to work as much as she does. Whereabouts is that? That's in Brunswick Street. Of course I know, but I just want people to know. Oh, okay, got it, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 893, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, she, she is truly inspiring in how much she loves what she does. She would rather be at work than anywhere. Like, we go on holidays and we, we take fantastic holidays, but I would rather have a holiday ahead of anything, a nice car, whatever, good holiday. We'll be on holiday and invariably, two or three days before the end of it, she'll be like, do you reckon we can change our flights? She always wants to come home so she can go back to work. I am the other way. I'm like, <laughs> do you reckon someone would bomb the airport for us so we don't have to go back? Uh, that's awesome. So okay, nice. who's who's rocking in the in the food scene at the moment? Do you think in Brisbane? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, how much has Brisbane changed over the last say five years yeah, or so? Yeah. It's insane. I really felt like there was nowhere to eat, and yeah. now there's amazing stuff like Hellenica and Agnes and. Um, SK and there, there is just so much good stuff out there. Otto's doing fantastic food. Mm. Will's a great, great guy. Um, He's lined up for the rocket now. He's lined up for the Broadway <laughs> rocket. He wasn't getting that. We still get I first dibs. Yeah, of course, I you hope do. that. I want to Will, put that on the record. Becca gets first dibs. <laughs> first dibs. <laughs> Becca Vina, just for the record, for everyone that might not know, uh, I was uh, dealing with sauce grocer down the road, and you know, um, doing a bit of fruit and veg into that little corner store that was there. And we met through there, I think. And then you were yep. the first restaurant that we that we ever did in, in Brisbane. Is at that the, right? At Suncoast Fresh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, oh, there might have been, actually. Now I think about it. We sort of defaulted a couple of, of, of groups that had a couple of little places here. But um, first good restaurant, we might say. 
Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Handyman. All good? All good. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Thanks, man. Send invoice? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll send it through to the right. Actually, one of the biggest headaches of the job is having to deal with this sort of stuff. Faulty stars. This is when we do the invoice. Thank you. What are we doing here? I said, oh, geez, I printed it. Okay, thanks, okay, mate. I'll send it through to the owner. Thanks, mate. I'll speak to you soon. Problems, just I will. Thank you. And that's the challenges of restaurants. You, you know, you constantly got to get stuff fixed, don't you? Oh, my God. And it's never ending. Yeah, yeah. So you have to go fix the stuff. Yep. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to make sure we get across today? And I didn't ask you that. I made sure you thank your staff, you thank your wife. Got that through there. The wife has a good one, huh? I'm yeah. Good on that. Um, you know what? We asked about the biggest challenge in in the thing. I think I think, and I probably now that I've got a bit of clarity, I think the I think the thing that we all strive for is consistency. And I think there's no bigger compliment from another restaurateur, someone who you respect, coming in and saying you're so consistent. And we might be in the kitchen or at the front of the house going, God, we're so inconsistent. This sign. <laughs> so it's the, our idea of of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable is pretty narrow. And, and for someone to come in and say you're consistent is such a compliment. But that's the thing that keeps you awake at night going, God, can't believe we served that or we did this. And, that, and you know, and it's still, it's, I'm sure it's perfectly fine, but you have your own limits. And that's, that's the biggest challenge, I think. You run at 150%, don't you? Like you want it high all the time. So when it gets down to 100 or even 99, you're sure. concerned about it. Yeah. And that's why the Simon Glossel is That's why Will eats here three times a week. That's yep. why I eat here. That's why a lot of, you know, you watch their social medias and you see all these, you know, everyone's in and it's one big, beautiful community. It is. We all look after each other. It's great. Mate, it is a pleasure to talk to you today and I, I really appreciate um, you coming on. And uh, initially, you know, I, I see you a lot and I do a lot of these podcasts and, um, I think most people know that I've probably mentioned this restaurant in every third podcast. Um, I talk about Bacafinos, and uh, so you, you, you've done a great job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know you've had so many. You have so many celebrations and <laughs> yeah, stuff here. Yeah, it's really yeah. nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Always yeah. early. It's, it's, I know you get up early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Five thirty. It's four o'clock too early. Probably. Yeah. So we we definitely do love coming here as our little family, and um, and we thank you and your staff for, for putting a, a wonderful, you know experience for us all the time you have a unique way of making everyone feel special and i know that it comes and i know with you on the business side of things and you're 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 serious you want things right you have a high expectation of me and i will you know make sure that we we get it right and 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 um we've had a great relationship so i'm really stoked to be have all that going for us so um thank, thank you. you for being on the podcast i really thank you i was wondering if i was going to get the tap on the shoulder it's uh yeah. what, what, what number are we about 58 or something 58 well honestly i i wasn't sure you'd even want to come on you know i did but, think uh, about it for a bit yeah but uh, i felt like homer simpson in that episode <laughs> of the simpsons when he uh is yeah. at the powerpoint they're doing the employee of the month and they go through absolutely <laughs> everybody and it's his turn he's the last one but, and then they give it to something else they give it to an inanimate carbon rod I think, well, which well, one am i well <laughs> to be honest, I did ring you and say, do you want to be on this? Because I just, I, I just, I know. I know you got, you know, you're happy in yourself and some people want to come up for different reasons, but, you know, I, I have, I have plugged you throughout the years uh, and, and, and because you deserve it. I actually did. I kept every time I see you go new podcast. I go, oh, thank God, that's not me. I actually do. <laughs> well, and then when you ask me, I went, oh God, I better do it. Yeah, yeah, Achoo. beautiful. Well, um, lots more coming up. And um, yeah, thanks again for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Went fast. Did. Mm-hmm.